Welcome to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. I'm your host, Tim Reed. And once again, I'm so excited to be here today. Welcome to the Firetime Podcast. Now, this season is one that I'm really excited about the the idea of interviewing a different contributor from the Firetime magazine each week has just been something I've been excited to do. When me and Grant got ready to launch the magazine in the fall of 2019, we put together a list of contributors and we handpicked them and said, you know, these are people that are doing awesome things in the industry and we know are just going to be an incredible voice. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, man, we've got to do a podcast episode with each one of them. So we're, we're splitting it up where this season we are talking to about half of our contributors and then next season we'll talk to the next half. But I think this is really special. In today's episode, I am talking with someone who I actually hired and trained. And I've had the privilege of hiring and training a lot of salespeople in the hearth industry just over the last, really the last seven years or so. And when I when I worked for Fireside, that was a big part of my job was was hiring the sales team and, and getting them onboarded. This gentleman that I'm going to talk to is special. He is one of the top hires I've ever made. There's a few hires I've made that I'm particularly proud of, but you know, Sam is is someone who you're going to listen to and think there's no way that this guy is less than 15 months in the industry. Like there's no way because the wisdom is is so profound. And what we're doing is we're, we're jumping in to talk about the customer experience on the sales floor. And Sam is somebody who, when, when he came on board with me, we have a funny story about, about how he even got there. He jumped on a plane and like the next day flew halfway across the country to interview with me in person. And then he was completely moved out to Portland, Oregon, like a week and a half later on the sales floor. And when he started with me, we gave him a really tight leash and that leash was you're only allowed to sell gas inserts when there's gas inside of the fireplace and he got hired it was september 1st he got hired so we're like in the busy season and you would not believe the success that sam has had he trained for about six weeks and by december of that year he was closing some big sales months and he has just taken it and just run he's he's, he's somebody that uh the sky is the limit, and you're going to hear in the interview about some of the family ties he has to the industry, and it would not surprise me a bit to see him in a high-level leadership position in the coming years. So what we're going to be focusing on today is Sam actually sent me his first article for the magazine, and it had to do with five principles that can simplify a customer's buying experience. And the second I saw it, I said, this is gold. And we've got to talk about it on the podcast. So I'm going to get out of the way and just let this episode speak for itself. But I do have some parting thoughts to wrap it up. Joining me from Portland, Oregon is a retail team member at Fireside Home Solutions. I know this man very well. I'm joined today by Sam O'Donnell. Sam, how you doing, man? I am well, Tim. Thanks for having me. It's good to see you. I know it's good to see you too. You know, uh, we, you know, we, we're going to get into this in the in the interview, but we've actually spent quite a bit of time together. In that, you were the last retail team member that I hired before jumping off to start my own business. Yeah, and I, I'm glad you did. Um, we used to get to spend a lot of time together, so it's good to be back next to you. 
Um, we've always had a, a pretty good relationship in terms of being able to bounce ideas off of each other, whether they're crazy or not. Um, I, I've sort of missed the back and forth banter. So it's good to be back with you. I know, me too. And I'm, I'm hoping, you know, in a post-COVID world, uh, I'll be able to actually be spending some time in my office here and we can do that a little bit more. Um, so Sam, to, to start this out, you have had an interesting journey in the in the hearth industry. And I, I like to paint that picture for the audience. So you technically grew up in the industry. Like for those of you that don't know, Sam's last name is O'Donnell. And there happens to be a family called O'Donnell that owns a manufacturer, Mendota. So you grew up essentially like in the ethos of the industry, but not actively a part of it. And it's been much later in life that, that you've come into it. Can you kind of just give us a little bit of background? Absolutely. So I grew up around Mendota hearth, right? So, so my father and my uncle, and even going back to my grandfather, um, they started Mendota hearth. I never really took an interest in being a part of it as when I was younger, I looked at it as my dad's job. So, you know, we'd be on the road and it wouldn't be uncommon for us to stop into a hearth dealership just to check things out. So to that extent, I was exposed to it, but by and large, I didn't take any vested interest in, in what they were doing. So what made you call me up? It's a great question. Um, I, my, my first career out of college was actually in the risk management and commercial insurance space, and it was an awesome experience. Um, but at 22, 23 years old, I didn't have a big interest in working 70 or 80 hours a week. I, I, there was some adventure that I needed to get out of my system. And so for a few years, um, I enjoyed the Alpine in Colorado. I, d- I did some traveling around the world. And when I came back, I, w- I was looking for a career path. And it had always been on my mind that that Mendota Hearth would, would be an area of interest for me. And it just seemed the perfect time to give it a shot. In entering the industry, I, I had a conversation with my dad, and he thought the best way to, to start in the industry would be to start working for a dealership and really get an understanding on the ground floor uh, of what the industry was all about. Yeah. And I'm grateful that he gave that suggestion. Um, and it ended up leading to a conversation with you. You know, it's funny. I remember hearing about you ahead of time and we had this phone call scheduled and I think that you were in like Minneapolis at the time. And we talked on the phone and I said, you know, Hey, this sounds like a good fit. I'd love to meet you in person. Are you going to be out here anytime in the next few months? And you said, I'll jump on a flight tomorrow. So you literally showed up the next day, like right off the airplane we had the interview. It was a home run. And like, I think it was about a week later, you were fully moved out to Portland and, and going. Absolutely. Uh, I moved quickly. Um, I, I heard about you through Art Radcliffe. And so that, that who is a, he's a sales rep for Mendota Hearth. And I was weighing, you know, what kind of dealership did I want to work for? And it just so happened that there was a job opportunity and an opening at Fireside Home Solutions. So I, I took the liberty of listening to some of your podcasts and I really liked uh, the enthusiasm and excitement you brought to the industry. Um, so when that opportunity presented itself, I jumped right on it. And I wanted to make sure that that was an opportunity I, I, I should at least consider and hopefully capitalize on. And it just so happened to work out better than I would have imagined. I love that, man. So, and I'm going to preface this. So w- what I want to jump into is you're obviously one of the contributors for the Firetime magazine. And truthfully, I, th- I think you're one of the best retail sales people I- I've ever met. And I say that with you not having a lot of experience, but you sent me this article today. Like literally I'm checking my email. I get this interview from Sam that is, is for the March issue of the magazine. And I read it and I'm like, this is our podcast episode. Like we have to go through this. It's amazing. And what I want to preface for the audience here is, is you're going to listen to this and Sam, like 
you have not even been in the industry for 16 months. Like I'm looking at, I'm looking at the date here and you are like 15 months into the industry. So I have actually talked about you a lot that, that your training period was about six weeks before we cut you loose on the sales floor. And I'll never forget that you put down some big numbers. Like you were hired in September and by December and January, you're closing some really legit numbers. And I think it has to do with like, you have an amazing ability to learn, but also you were part of a system that really tried to um, work with your strengths and also be able to compensate for weaknesses so that you actually had a platform that helped you as opposed to something you were fighting against. I'm excited to jump into that. I, I agree. I, we've, there's a great team and a great system here at Fireside. And what allowed me to have early success was you created an avenue for me. It, w- it was narrow, but it allowed me to play to my strengths. So without having all the technical knowledge, you, you let me loose on selling gas inserts and gas inserts only. Yeah, when there, there was gas in the fireplace. Absolutely. <laughs> when there was gas in the fireplace. So pretty hard to screw up. I definitely messed a couple of them up early. Uh, that's how you learn. But I was able to have success early because I had a very narrow, dedicated path that allowed me to use the skill set that I already had um, to contribute to the team. And, and it was a great way to learn. It was a great way to get hands-on experience, um, even though I didn't have the confidence at that point. I mean, I was terrified going out to a customer's home, taking measurements. All those things freaked me out. Um, but you you gave me a long leash and I appreciated that. And that, and that gave me a little bit of confidence, at least enough confidence to, to get the ball rolling and start to have some successes. That's cool. I, I had one of the, one of the best comments I ever received was from a friend named Pat Budson. And he said, you know, Tim will give you enough rope to where you can either hang yourself or you can climb out. It's up to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's jump into this here. So your article in the March issue is called simplifying the customer experience, five best practices. And dude, this is awesome. This is so good. And, and I want to go through each one of these five. We'll see in this episode how far we get. But to start out, Sam, you talk about how our industry has a blessing and a curse. And I want, I want to quote you in the article and then just I want to have you respond to yourself. This is, this is how pretentious we are here. So here's the blessing. You said, we sell niche products that are difficult to access, if not through us. We perform niche, hands-on services that most often require our professional expertise. Attempting to replicate the role of the dealer in an e-commerce format is extremely difficult. That's the blessing of our industry. Here's the curse. The curse is that we are in direct competition with products that can be purchased with the press of a button on an e-commerce format. Deeper rooted, this convenient customer experience is what people are becoming accustomed to. Can you talk about this blessing and the curse? Absolutely. So the blessing that we have is that it's, it's hard to replicate what we do. I mean, the value of, of a dealer is that we've got the expertise to to, well, one, we, we can access fireplace products, but further, we can install them. And so that's a tough thing. A fireplace would be an extremely difficult thing to sell online because most folks aren't educated enough or aren't comfortable enough with the installation piece of the fireplace. And so that serves as a a level of insulation from from an e-commerce juggernaut coming in and taking over what we do. The curse is because the process of buying a fireplace in nature is, is... complex. It's complex, right? There, there's multiple steps to it. It's, it's got to be thought out. There's generally three or four touches before a sale is made. Um, but we compete with products that, 
that people can quite literally push a button on their phone and buy. And so that we're in direct competition with things that people can buy far easier. Yeah. So I mentioned that in the article because it's, I, I see it as our duty and responsibility to, make buying a fireplace as easy as possible. Yeah. It's already more difficult than buying a lot of products that we compete with. So it's our duty to make sure that we make it as easy as we possibly can. Yeah, I, I agree, man. And I think that's something our industry has largely missed. There's been some companies that, that are very aware of this, but I would say most of the industry has completely missed this. They, they have slept on the fact that buying everything is easier, right? Like I can literally have a custom Tesla made from my phone and it'll just get delivered to my house. Now, I don't have $150,000 to spend on a Tesla, but if I did, like, that's a pretty high-dollar custom luxury purchase that I could buy in, like, about a minute and a half on my phone. Exactly. And, and, and that's the experience that, that products everywhere have. And, and I think you're right in saying that, like, the blessing is it, our products are complex, and it's very hard to duplicate that online. But we have to realize that the curse of that is that we are hard to buy from, and in today's market, people don't like doing business with places that are hard to buy from. Absolutely. So, Sam... You've got five steps here to simplify the customer experience. I'm going to read each of them and then let's just go into it. So step one is a sales process. Step two is eliminating industry jargon and terminology. Step three is providing a quick quote. Step four, following up. And step five is be proactive. Stephen Covey would be very proud of you with that. Let's jump first into step one. So why is having a sales process so important for simplifying the customer experience and making more money? I've got to give you, before I dive into this, I've got to give you, Tim, credit because the sales process that I've followed here at Fireside came directly from you. And I have rigidly followed it and it has given me a world of success. The value of having a process is it brings clarity to you, the sales rep, but also gives clarity to the customer. So if you can clearly define the process the process that goes into the purchase and installation of a fireplace. If it's clear to you, it's going to be clear to the consumer. If you don't have a clear process and it's not clear to you, imagine the lack of clarity the consumer is going to have in terms of what do I need to do A to Z to, to buy this fireplace and have it installed in my home. So if you have a, a process to follow, I, I'll quote you in this. It's a roadmap, right? It's not a script. It's a roadmap. Yeah. It keeps me on track. So one step leads to the next. So I make sure that I check the box of each step and I can bring my own personality into it. It's not meant to limit your personality. It's not meant to script you. It's not meant to make you robotic. The value of the process is it gives you a guide to follow so yeah. I can get customer from A to Z, right? So when they walk in the door, they're a curious customer. I've got seven steps I need to follow to take a curious customer to a paying customer. Yeah. So good. You know, and, and, Every time I go and teach sales process, I always get pushback and it's always from a very experienced sales rep that says, I don't need a process. I'm a natural. I got to be myself. And, and I get that, but that has nothing to do with the process, right? Like when I uh, brush my teeth in the morning, my process is that, well, first I turn on the sink and I wet my toothbrush and then I put toothpaste on my toothbrush. Then I brush my teeth for two minutes while my Sonicare goes. And then I turn on the sink, I rinse and I spit out the toothpaste and then I wash my toothbrush and I put it back on the counter, right? So that's a process for brushing my teeth. And, and in the same way, like you could say, well, yeah, Tim, but like, why do you need a process? Of course, that's how you brush your teeth. Well, sales is, is one of those things that like we think 
of course it'd be that easy, but it's not. That there is a path to the sales process, and if that path is not followed, I'm sorry, like you lose. I agree with that 100%. And it, the other thing it does is it, it prevents you from rambling and it prevents you from getting off track. Mm-hmm. It keeps you focused on what needs to be accomplished. And the value of that, it, it gives clarity to the customer. I, I know I've harped on that, but ultimately people are, are uncomfortable buying a fireplace. It's a purchase that you make once or twice in your lifetime. And more often than not, a customer walks into your showroom and they have no idea how they can get their problem solved, right? I have a fire, I have an existing fireplace that I want to upgrade. I don't know what goes into that process. My job is to educate. And so the pro the sales process that I follow gives me a guide to helping this customer solve their problem. It's so good. And, and I just imagine like, we're so familiar with these fireplaces. You talk in this article about the curse of knowledge that, that, we forget what it was like to not have all this industry knowledge. And just imagine, like, imagine going to to do something unfamiliar to you. Like, maybe you're going to add a new addition to your house, right? And you don't deal with this stuff every day. And, and so you start talking to contractors, and you say, so how does this get done? And one of them just starts spouting all this random information about the type of two-by-fours that he uses on his framing. And then he goes, well, yeah, and you know what? And there's this new sheetrock that's, that uh, is coming over from uh, Alabama that's really good inside the moisture. But then you got to get an inspector out to take a look at it. Man, sometimes the inspectors like they're just going off on all these things. And so then I'll talk to I'll talk to Jerry. He's my he's my uh, he's my sub. He's my electric sub. So Jerry will come in, and then Jerry's got a guy Vince that Vince does all of the painting. And then after that, it'll, it'll get kicked back. And I mean, just like imagine that experience, like the contractor talking to you in this fictitious situation understands everything in his head because he's familiar with it. But you as the consumer are like, what are you talking about? Versus if you go to talk to a contractor and they say, hey, you know what? I understand that you want to add an addition to your house. And there's, there's three basic steps that we follow. The first one is that we're going to meet with you to design the project. Second, we're going to provide you three competitive bids based on the, the quality of products that are available, and you can decide which one's right for your budget. And then third, we're going to put together a schedule and st- get started on construction. One of those makes sense, and the other one doesn't. And, and, and if you can do those things in the showroom, it's powerful. Definitely. And we talked about this earlier. I, in following this process, the, the gold standard of feedback that I get from customers is by the time they walk out of the door... They, they say something along the lines of, wow, that was super easy. And I, I, to me, that's the most valuable feedback I can get. If I can, make, if I can make the purchase of a fireplace easy for the customer, if they understand each step of the process and they walk out of here with a complete, full, clear understanding of what needs to happen in order for them to get their fireplace installed, I've done my job correctly. It's so good, man. And, I, and I've, I've seen you do it time after time after time. You know, and, and the sales process that, that we use here, like, it's not rocket science. I mean, step one, greet the customer. Step two, understand their problem. Step three, advise a solution. Step four, create a plan for that customer. Step five, call to action. Step six, pursue the opportunity. And step seven, show gratitude. You know, everybody has a process, but document it, right? You know, you might have the map in your head, but I I guarantee for most of you listening, your team probably doesn't, especially if they're new. And you giving them a process to follow, it instills confidence very quickly. I mentioned that in the article. Um, you likely already have some form of a process that you've developed out of habit. The key to that is, though, getting it in writing, following it with intention, and then repeating it. 
And the more you repeat the process, the more confident you get. And then it becomes second nature. Oh, dude, I think about like how many times did we do sales practice where like I was selling to you or you were selling to me and like we'd stop and everybody would give feedback. Like I've heard people say practice makes perfect. And I actually don't think that's the case. Practice makes permanent. Yes. So what you practice becomes second nature. Absolutely. I don't think about the process anymore. It's just ingrained in the way that I operate every day here in the showroom. Yeah. We'll get back to our conversation with Sam O'Donnell in just one minute. Hey, if you're listening to this, I know that you're going to have questions because there's a lot that needs to be thought about as you apply it into your specific circumstance. And in light of that, we are going to end this season of the podcast with a Q&A episode dedicated towards answering all the questions that we receive this season. So if you have questions from today's episode or anything you've heard so far in the podcast, you can ask that by going to the website, itsfiretime.com slash ask. That's itsfiretime.com slash ask ask. This is the chance to get context for your business specifically so that you can take this information and apply it and see a monster return on your investment. To get your question answered, go to itsfiretime.com slash ask. Let's talk next about number two. So number two, if you want to simplify the customer experience is to eliminate industry jargon and terminology. Sam, talk to me about this. I had the good fortune of coming into the industry with no prior experience. (laughs) And so I can't speak intelligently about the features and functions of fireplaces. What I found, though, was that served me well because customers don't quite understand those things. And and oftentimes it doesn't mean a lot to them. The example I use in the article is just is BTU output as simple as it gets. To me, if I tell a customer that a fireplace has 40,000 BTUs, I don't think that makes any sense to them. It doesn't mean anything to them. If I tell a customer that this fireplace is capable of heating 800 to 1,000 square feet, it takes them on a subjective mental journey, right? They're taking themselves into their home, their 800-square-foot living room, and thinking, how nice would it be if I could have this living room heated by the ambiance of a beautiful fire? So I just feel like explaining things in a way that, that makes sense to a customer is far more powerful and effective than using insider language that only we understand. That's so good. And I'm so glad that we're talking about it because I I feel like in season one of the podcast, we hit this really hard and we we haven't talked about it a lot, but this is something that we can never get away from it. You know, I think that we, we make the mistake of thinking that because we as experts need to understand the technical terminology that our customers need to. And, and I just think, you know, I, I've given this example before. I broke my foot playing basketball a number of years ago. And I'm very thankful that the doctor knows the name of every single bone in the foot. And I'm so thankful that my doctor understood the way that the nerves work together. But I don't need to know that. You know, there, of, of everything that the doctor knows, there's a very small amount that's relevant to me. And I'm thankful that that's what I was given. Definitely. It's important that we that we educate ourselves. I mean, it's our responsibility as retail sales reps to stay educated for our customers. And so you should have the information. And sometimes people will get into asking technical questions. At that point, it's more than okay oh, yeah. to, to expand on the knowledge that you have. I've had bad experiences with customers when I've, quote unquote, thrown up on them with, with a ton of information that doesn't mean anything to them and they don't understand. And so what I found is... The, the more simply I can explain the features and functions of the products that we sell, the more it resonates with the customer and the, and the better off I, I end up doing. I totally agree. You know, 
there was, I, th- I think it was Mark Twain. I think it was him. He has a famous letter that he wrote where he said to someone, I'm sorry for the length of this letter. It would have been shorter if I would have had more time. And there's something very profound in that, that to speak with a lot of words is not difficult. And truthfully, it's a front for hiding insecurity and, and, and frankly, of, of hiding incompetence too. To speak with simple, succinct clarity is extremely difficult and it takes a master craftsperson to do so. And, and, and customers respond to it. I mean, it is like when, when, they go, when they go from store to store to store or they go from website to website to website, they're just getting blasted with, I mean, you name it, the, the technical jargon and terminology, but when they come in and talk to somebody like you that can actually give them simple solutions to their problem, it's amazing how they just gravitate towards doing business that way. Exactly. You want to work with somebody that can explain what's relevant to them. And I, I hope I don't rub any manufacturers the wrong way, but a lot of the times when I'm describing products, I'm not using the language that's, that I've been taught by the manufacturer. I agree. I use language that it is understandable to the customer. So you brought this up. I'm just going to ask you a question because I'm curious. In your sales process, do you use brochures from the manufacturer? I, I don't use a brochure on the sales floor. I, I would liken that to take yourself back to high school and somebody's giving a PowerPoint presentation Oh yeah, and they're reading directly off the screen. It's almost insulting, right? A customer can read a brochure. It's my job to be able to explain what's in the brochure. You just nailed it because your job, you're right. They can read a brochure. They can get that on the internet, but you provide the bridge of context to their situation. Correct. It's really good. Okay. So to simplify the customer experience, number one, we have a sales process. Number two, we eliminate industry jargon and terminology. Number three, provide a quick quote. Let's talk about this. Yeah. So what I urged people to do in the article was to pick a product, any product except for a fireplace, grab your phone or computer and look up the price. It's incredibly easy to do. If you've ever attempted to do that for a fireplace, the results are going to be disappointing in comparison, right? So it's tough to find pricing for fireplaces online. Ultimately, price is, is a huge dictator of buying decision. And yeah, so, I, think, I, think, I think it's a, it's something that is absolutely imperative to a buying decision. Otherwise, the decision can't be made. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's probably upside of 75% of what people want to find out when they come into a showroom. And so if you can get quotes out quickly, if you can get pricing out quickly, and it doesn't always have to be spot on, but if you can give people a range yeah. so they can ballpark in their head what this is going to cost... That gives you a leg up. You know, given that we require additional steps from our customers, whether that be calling us, emailing us, or coming into our showroom, it's imperative that we be able to get a quote out to them quickly. Yeah. Otherwise, they're going to consider other other options. Yep. The 2021 season has actually been a great example of this. For whatever reason, people have an incredible amount of disposable income. And in many cases this season, I found myself competing against unrelated home improvement or home entertainment products. Yeah. So if I can't make the process easy, if I can't get customers a price quick, they're going to lose interest and they're going to go a different direction. And so we've put systems in place here that allow me to generate a quote in the snap of a finger. And that's been super beneficial because people can make a decision if they understand, if they can make a cost comparison, they're more likely to make a quick decision. Yeah, I I totally agree, Sam. And we've talked about this. So part of your training was that you went and secret shopped a bunch of places. And every time I I do consulting work in a market, I always try to go and secret shop the market just to try to get an idea of, of what the retail experience is like nationwide. And truthfully, I mean, 
I, in the last two and a half years, I have not been given a written estimate. I, I can think of one, I can actually think of one time in the last, going, I mean, this is going back four or five years. I think of, I can think of one estimate that I was, that I was written up. Places don't do it. And I totally get that there's complexity, but when you think about someone making this purchase, they need to know what it costs. I mean, just imagine going into the car dealership and, and saying, Hey, this SUV is great. How much is it? And they go, well, you know, we'll come out to your house. Give us a couple weeks. We'll come out. And then you wait a couple weeks, they come out and you say, great. How much is it? And they go, Oh, well, you know what? We'll go back and we'll go, we'll crunch those numbers and we'll get that back to you. And then another week goes by and you call them and they say, well, Hey, we're busy. We're swimming in a mountain, a mountain of quotes. We'll get to yours when we get to it. This is the experience that a lot of customers have. And there's no reason for it. Like, you know, the whole thing is that you can give a customer an estimate every single time on the showroom and doing so captures their information so that you can continue that relationship. The, you know, the worst thing in the world is just to write a price on a brochure and let them walk out, right? A hundred percent. And I think you've hit, you've hit it on the nose with, with the value of being able to get quotes out quickly, but also it gives you an opportunity to get customer information. And like you said, as soon as you have that information, you can begin to, you can begin to cultivate that relationship. Yeah. And you got to think about like the comparison to everybody else that, that when no one else can give them an estimate on the spot and you can, it's amazing. And even better when you get out to the house and you're right in the range of what you promised in the showroom. I mean, it's fishing with dynamite. And this is the way like that we all want to purchase. Like no one wants their time wasted. And it's so much better on the floor to get the price out of the way. Because if they invite you to the next step, they're in. They're in. You know, they're in. Like, don't wait two and a half weeks to come out to the house and, and tie up your schedule just for them to go, ah, oh, it's too expensive. Like, what a stupid waste of time. I'm sorry. Exactly. It qualifies your opportunities. Yeah. Um, some people don't know what to expect, given that it's really difficult to find the price for a fireplace and the installation on the internet. It, it qualifies it qualifies your, your leads in a fashion, right? So if I'm setting up opportunities for our, our job walker, I want to know that that customer has an understanding of what this is going to cost and how serious they are yep. about it. Yep. And in turn, I, on top of being able to get quotes out quickly, getting proposals out after, after our job walker does the preview is is big time it's got to you got to do it instantly i i, I set a 24-hour rule yeah. generally speaking i try to get that done in 12 yeah and the value in that is customers aren't waiting around for you yep they have a finalized proposal that they can they can look at and if they get it quick they're more apt to, to jump on it and take care of it sam so good man you know and, I, and i'm just listening to you thinking that I, I just can't believe that 15 months ago you were sitting in my office having no industry experience, not even knowing what an insert is. And now you're, you know, putting up these monster numbers and, and, and you're the one that's teaching the content because I think, I think what this shows is that this can be learned and it can be learned quickly. So like the framework that's been provided to you could be provided to a lot of people. And I think that what we have to get rid of is like that tight fisted mentality where we're so terrified of like being replaced or of sharing our secrets that we hold on to it. And, and it, like a business just doesn't work that way. No, I, I agree with you there. And, you know, my hope is that, you know, for our industry is that we continue to share our, our successes and downfalls and we continue to share best practices. Um, you know, I know we have a healthy level of competition amongst each other, but ultimately we're all in this thing together. And, I was very intentional in writing this article that 
these best practices, there's no monetary investment required for these. Yeah. The majority of these are habits. These are things that any dealership in America could implement tomorrow, so long as they're willing to be intentional about it, and so long as they're willing to put the effort required uh, to put these practices in place that can ultimately take them into the future and help help them achieve a level of success that they haven't seen in the past. I agree. And we've talked about this before, Sam, that, you know, no one, no one around knows that our products exist. You know, if, if I go and, and talk to a bunch of people in this city, no one knows what a gas insert is. Very few people, you know, really have considered a wood stove for their home. And so, well, yes, like there's no question we compete against the, the retailer down the street. Like that's always going to be there. But, but if, if 1% of the general population all of a sudden decides they want a fireplace because all over the place dealers are doing better and better work. Every one of us will have more, more business than we know what to do with. Exactly. And that, that's the end game here with this article. It's awesome, man. So I'm going to put you on the spot. We, we've gone through your first three steps and we're starting to get long on time. Can I get you back for a follow-up episode to go through steps four and five? I'd be happy to do it. Okay, so you heard it. So next week, we'll go through steps four and five. In the meantime, here are all five steps one more time. If you want to simplify the customer experience, step one, invest in a sales process. Step two, eliminate industry jargon and terminology. Step three, provide a quick quote. Step four, follow up. Step five, be proactive. Sam, thanks for being here, and I'm so excited to have you back on soon. My pleasure, Tim. It's great to see you again. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Sam O'Donnell. I'm telling you that there is some serious wisdom there. And and just, I mean, think about a team member that you've had for less than 15 months and listen to Sam. Like this is possible. It is possible for team members that have not been with your company for very long to be absolute masters of the sales process and to put up monstrous numbers. You know, as, as, as we go through his, his five steps to make it easy, I just, I love this because, you know, this, this is really what the heart of the podcast has been built on is, is making it easy, right? Like it's in our tagline at the beginning that we want to make it so stupidly easy to buy from us that there is no excuse not to. And that's, that's been something that I stumbled upon over the years that everything we do must go into simplifying the customer experience. And there's other things that we have to do too, like keep them safe and be thorough and detailed. But if it's not easy to buy, especially in today's world, people won't. And I just, I love the fact that he talks about, you know, it's a blessing and a curse. Like, the blessing is that we sell niche products that are difficult to access if consumers don't go through us. That's totally true, right? We perform hands-on service and most of our products require professional expertise and installation. So the result is that it's difficult to replicate most of that on the on the internet. That's a blessing. But, but our curse is that we're in competition of products that can be purchased with the click of a button, right? So like, Yes, this this complexity has protected us and insulated us from disruption, but it's hard to buy a fireplace as a result, and we're in competition with things that are very, very easy to buy. I mean, most things can be bought and delivered to your house like very quickly. In less than 30 seconds on a smartphone, you can get educated and, and make that purchasing decision. And so we, we just have to be aware of this, and, and I love the way that he articulated that. You know, first up, if we're going to simplify the customer experience and make it easy got to have a sales process. Like I will beat this drum over and over and over again that if you don't have a sales process, you are always going to be tripping all over yourself because, you know, it's like trying to drive from Oregon to New York 
and not being sure which state you need to go through next, right? I've talked about this a lot that like a sales process is a roadmap. Now, I live in Portland, Oregon. If I'm going to drive to New York, I'm not going to going to be as micro as as dictating, well, you have to drive on this road and you have to drive this speed limit here. You have to stop at the stop sign. No, but but I am going to tell you that you have to go through this state first, right? After you drive through Oregon, you're going to get into Idaho and then you're going to get into Montana and and you go from there. That there is a path to sales. And and Sam talks about this, right? Like if you're in retail sales, we use seven simple steps and you might use different steps, but you have to have a process. Our seven steps are easy. Like every time I go to teach sales process at a company and I get a cynical salesperson, I'll make a joke and I'll be like, well, hey, let's let's forget about my sales process. Let's just make one together, right? Customer walks in the store. What's the first thing we do? Do we show them a fireplace? No, like we greet the customer. Oh, amazing. That's step one of the sales process, right? Now that we've greeted the customer, can we just show them a fireplace? Oh, we can't? Why not? Oh, because we don't we don't know what they have. So you mean that we actually need to understand their problem? Well, <laughs> there's step two of the process, right? And it goes on from there that, you know, the sales process of greet the customer, understand their problem, advise a solution, create a plan, call to action, pursue the opportunity, and show gratitude is the natural flow of sales. And, and, and you know, this is going to change a little bit depending on if you're selling to a builder or if you're selling to a dealer, if you're a sales rep, but the fundamentals of it largely stay the same. And knowing that process, just like Sam said, it becomes ingrained in you where you no longer have to think about it. It's powerful. Document your sales process. And it can be different than mine, or you can you can rip off those seven steps. That's totally fine. But document it teach it to your team and practice over and over and over again. You know, next up, avoid industry jargon. We talked a lot about this back in season one, and and I love that it's coming back up now. We have to get past this. When we are talking to consumers, they don't know the names of the things that we sell. And, and I deal with this all the time when I'm helping companies with their websites. Never have a section on your websites called gas inserts. Never have a section called zero clearance fireplaces. Don't do it because customers don't know what that is. And as I've, I've talked to people, they've said, well, you know, how do I organize my products? I said, well, you should organize your products by indoor products and outdoor products. Use words that people understand. And I'm not saying that, that this is easy. Like simplifying complex things is extremely difficult, but it's better than just vomiting up terms on a website that a customer doesn't understand. The same thing is true in your showroom, that that if you can speak to them in a way that makes sense and is relatable, you'll just be amazed at how far it goes. You know, the last one that we talked about today before we pause and we go into part two of this episode is give a quick quote. This is so important. And, and I would say for, for those of you listening in a leadership position, Start tracking your quote percentage. Start tracking how many estimates a week are going out of your showroom. And I mean, as bonus points, I would measure that against your foot traffic. It's a very helpful indicator. If you're a sales rep, try to help your dealers find a way to track how many quotes are going out. You, you can't get sales without quotes. And, and there are so many opportunities that just get missed because a customer walks out of the showroom without an estimate and the dealer has no way to get back in touch with that customer and as a result the customer either doesn't buy or they just go buy on the internet or from somebody down the street they're coming into your showroom for a reason there's two primary questions they have when they walk through those doors question number one is what's going to work in my space 
Question number two is how much it's going to cost. They must receive an estimate before they leave the showroom. Otherwise, it's just a waste of their time. You know, looking looking at this, I, I'm so excited for the next two as well. We'll we'll save those for next week. But I'm telling you, like, this is this is wisdom. And and as I was talking to Sam afterwards, we were talking about you know there might be some disagreement on this. And 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 I told him I said Sam like people might disagree with this, and if if they do, they're wrong because every single thing here is correct. Like it's totally correct that that if you can establish a sales process, avoid industry jargon give a quick quote, follow up with customers and be proactive, you will have a great salesperson. So, you know, what we're talking about here, there's nothing to argue about. There might be some nuances for your company that, that you can modify and, and implement uniquely, but but these principles are sound and we really hope that, that you can put this to use and start making a difference. Now, if this podcast has been a blessing for you and you would like to support it financially, you can do that by going to the website patreon.com slash it's fire time. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash it's fire time. You know, for those of you that are that are supporting us every month, we do not take it lightly. You know, it, it means the world that we get to produce this podcast and 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 know that it gives you value. So, you know, whatever amount you are able to, we appreciate 100% of the money goes towards outsourcing the administrative duties of this podcast and, and equipment so that we can bring you the best content ever. And, and our goal is to always be innovating and never settle. So, you know, our hope is that this podcast just continues to grow and it's only possible because of you guys and, and your support. It, it means a lot. Now, we talked today about three of the five ways to simplify the customer experience and make it easy. Next week is going to be the next two, but my challenge to you is that you write down for each one of these three things that we talked about today, for establishing a sales process, avoiding industry jargon, and giving a quick quote, I want you to write down one action that you will take in each of these categories based on what you heard today, and you'll get the rest of the follow-up conversation next week. So I hope you guys have an amazing rest of the week serving customers. Remember, the work you do matters, so stick to it. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. To learn more, visit the website, itsfiretime.com. Music from this episode was written and recorded by InBloom out of Portland, Oregon. We thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. We'll see you next time. <laughs>